Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Canary. The bird has landed on beautiful Bainbridge Island, conveniently located at 499 Madison Avenue. ASE Master Technician Clint Ramsey brings over 15 years of experience, award-winning diagnostic skill, and a desire to reinvent the automotive repair experience. Schedule an appointment online at bluecanary.biz or call them today at 206-451-4220. Hey, it's Michael Fabiano here from SI.com, and I'm excited about the upcoming launch of the SI Fantasy Podcast. Myself, along with Dr. Roto and the Fantasy Executive, will get you ready for your fantasy drafts in 2020 and guide you to fantasy football glory. Get on board with the SI Fantasy Podcast and win your fantasy football league. This segment of the Bystander Podcast is brought to you by Eagle Harbor Insurance. We don't sell insurance, we help people buy it. This has always been their motto and continues. They understand every family has different insurance needs, be it coverage or premiums. No two cases are the same, and they will always do their best to guide you into the proper coverage to fit your budget. They are here to help anytime. Give them a call at 206-842-7410 or contact them online at eagleharborinsurance.com. I'm Maria Metzler, the Executive Director of Helpline House. The global pandemic has affected us all differently. If you or your neighbors need food assistance, mental health counseling, rental assistance, or parks and rec vouchers, please reach out. Helpline House can help in many ways. Find us on the web at helplinehouse.org. It's what we do. Neighbor helping neighbor. The Bystander Podcast, in partnership with Bainbridge Strong and the Island's own Pegasus Coffee Company, is proud to offer this special release whole bean blend for a limited time. A medium dark roast of coffees from Colombia, Ethiopia, and Sumatra. It offers a balanced, full-bodied cup, perfect for virtually any pairing or occasion. $5 from the sale of each 12-ounce bag will go to Bainbridge-based small business or nonprofit of your choice at checkout. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. What's cracking, Podcastville? You found the Bystander Podcast. Today, I have Greg Nance, the man who once ran seven marathons in seven days on seven continents and still hasn't slowed down one bit. Greg, you're a hard man to catch, both uh, on the track and uh, in the neighborhood lately. I've seen you a few times uh, running by me while I'm walking dogs in your neighborhood when you first start off, but when you first start off, you're at a fast cliff. Clip. What's good? It is great to see you, Tim. Thanks for having me back. I am really, really fired up to have a chance to to reconnect and share some of the latest and greatest over on this neck of the woods. 
Yeah, well, let's, uh, before we get too deep in conversation, let's talk about this uh, virtual dinner that's going on Thursday, October 22nd for um, Baybridge Youth Services. Yeah, I'm glad, yeah. So BYS is hosting its fall fundraiser, Give Hope 2020, Turning Struggles into Strength, this Thursday. And I think it's going to be a really, really amazing evening um, showcasing the awesome work that BYS is doing to advance youth mental health on the island and throughout Kitsap County. Um, COVID has been hard on all of us and many folks that are, you know, teenagers, adolescents, uh, particularly with so much of their studies and their social lives disrupted. BYS is filling a key gap there, trying to raise funds for 800 hours of counseling, which would just be amazing so that kids that need to talk to somebody, need to vent, need to soundboard, just need help and support. Get it. And I am the honor uh, for the opportunity to support this myself and to share a little bit of uh, my story and how as a teenager growing up on Bainbridge Island, I could have used a BYS counselor to actually work through some of the tough stuff uh, that I was going through. Like, you know, like all of us, we hit bumps in the road and having a counselor, um, a guide there can make all the difference. And BYS is making that happen. So this, is this an anonymous hotline that they can call for counseling? It, um, it's, uh, it's confidential, yes, but it's even better than an anonymous hotline. It's the chance to actually connect with a certified counselor for one-to-one mental health counseling and to actually talk through. So you can really build a relationship with a counselor who's certified. They're a real professional, uh, medically trained, and they can, they can guide you step-by-step step through whatever you're going through, even if it's just a vent or a soundboard. If you need some advice on something, um, it can make all the difference. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's there on the BYS uh, website, askbys.org, or uh, uh, connecting through the actual center across from uh, BHS and the Aquatic Center. And this is Thursday, 7 o'clock via Zoom, their annual dinner, correct? That is right, yep. Now, how are we going to eat through Zoom? I want to know that one. <laughs> yeah, so I, I've heard that a couple local businesses have really stepped up. Um, and so to, to help like sponsor and to be really supportive, including a couple of restaurants. Let's so, shout them out. Yeah, yeah, me and my family. Yeah, I, I know one of them at least. Uh, we're going to be ordering a big pizza from uh, Westside and uh, eating that while enjoying a really nice evening together. Um, and yeah, I think there's a couple options too. So if you're not as into pizza like me, you can find something else delicious too. Who doesn't like pizza? I know. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you have been up to a lot of things. I noticed, um, besides just running past me and saying, go Hawks. Um, <laughs> you spent some time putting in miles for every day that you've been sober. How many miles was that? And was that in the month of September? Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I, I celebrated a birthday recently and I, I love to do a run on my birthday. So yeah, I did a big lap around Lake Washington, uh, was the most recent uh, big one, 51 miles in at nine hours, 33 minutes around the lake and uh, fun adventure. I'd actually never done anything quite like that. So really nice way to see Seattle. Um, and then the month before, um, I, uh, on August 18th, I had a chance to do a big lap around Bainbridge Island shoreline, uh, all within the high tide sphere. So it was, uh, that was just a really cool way to see my hometown with a totally different vantage, totally, you know, a new angle and a new perspective that gives me a, a big new appreciation for the special place that, uh, that we call home. Now, how'd you figure out, you're, you're being way too modest again. Um, <laughs> That's you, rare. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, 
the island, what is it's 45 miles around? It's, I think it's, I read it's 53 miles of shoreline, though I ended up doing 47 miles because I cut Fletcher Bay because it was low tide there. So I was able to just like run through kind of like uh, hip deep water, uh, which knocked out a couple miles luckily and helped speed me up. So you, ha- how do you f- figure out the, the tide flats and the timing of this whole run? Because for people that don't live on or near Bainbridge Island here, um, it's usually low tide at 1030 somewhere on the island, but not everywhere. And there's some really deep spots and uh, very rugged terrain. Um, how did you fi- go about figuring all that out? Yeah, so this has been a uh, literally a lifelong dream for me to to do it. So I've been slowly scouting, including, you know, at high tide, like, hey, where does the water come up? And the short answer is it's really, really high. In fact, it's it's it, the the water can be higher than your head. Um, so you're you're swimming or or drowning out there. And then at low tide, as you put it, there are big mud flats, especially in like Eagle Harbor and Port yeah. Madison, Fletcher Bay, and so um, and in Manzanita too. So that was that's the hardest part for me because I, I can deal with a little bit of water. Um, it's harder when you're sinking knee deep. And so. My dad and I actually did a fun little DIY project together. He's really handy. We went to uh, the lumber yard uh, at Lumberman's and we got some scrap wood and we actually created uh, what are known as mud patents, which are like these, it's kind of like snowshoes, but to stay on top of mud instead of snow. And so uh, it's this you know 13th century British technology for folks that would go like, clamming in, in England in historic times. And the technology still works today. You, you get a foot by foot uh, flat wooden plank and then actually you get rope and you tie little knots underneath and then you tie them over your shoes in a special formation using special knots that I learned from YouTube and that worked great like I was able to cross uh, Port Madison um, without too much incident Um, it was still tiring because you're still you know you're sinking half an inch instead of half a foot Um, but that made a big difference so I was able to get to cruise through there comparatively and a lot of scouting a little bit of prep a little bit of gear uh, you know creation and then a little bit of a thick skull certainly helps too. Yeah, you, you had some uh, poles too for some I did, of that? Yeah. Very and fortunate. Did you fall and hit your head or anything? I took a uh, I, I took a small spill in Eagle Harbor. Um, so I started a just at like sunrise. Um, and so like the, the, you know, the sun's starting to come up, which coincided with a plus six foot tide as the tide is going out, uh, which I calculated to be the best time to begin because you're, uh, you're able to get underneath the ferry docks. I um, mean, if you've ever played around Eagle Harbor, you may have noticed like there's kind of a claustrophobia inducing dockyard that you've got to crawl under um, if you're trying to do a big lap around the island. Uh, so that was uh, a bit of a scary thing because I'm claustrophobic, but um, I calculated plus six would be a good time to go under that, which which it was. But then within a mile of that, I actually, I snapped my trekking pole. It, got, it ended up getting stuck between two rocks and you know, I'm trying to cruise through the water and you know the force of my momentum cracked it. And so uh, luckily I had a couple friends uh, there on the shoreline, uh, my friends Reba and Luis and Pete, and they started making calls at 6.30 in the morning. And one of their friends um, miraculously uh, drove up and dropped off this uh, uh, this extra trekking pole for me. And so I, I was able to still move forward. And it was just a really special moment where even though I'm the one out there running, I was never alone. There were always folks you know, cheering, supporting, and there even when I need emergency gear, water, food. It, uh, it was really just a special feeling as you're giving it your all, knowing that, hey, I've got just a wonderful team up on the shore there to guide me to. 
since you've been um, stuck at home here on Bainbridge Island and not in your um, regular home in Shanghai, ha- have you felt like um, Islanders have become more aware of your presence? Oh, I, I, it's been fun. I mean, I, I grew up here, so it's, it's always uh, just awesome, like reconnecting with old friends. I've met you know, a number of old friends as parents, which is lots of fun out, out and about. And then, um, you know, I'm, um, I'm a man on a mission. I'm working on some stuff that I'm really passionate about. And so it's been just wonderful that the incredibly supportive, encouraging community that I remember from my boyhood as, you know, a local baseball player, a local debater, it's, it's just like that now. And in fact, it, maybe it's even more supportive and even more encouraging. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been wonderful reconnecting there and just remembering, wow, I always had the, the fondest recollection of this amazing place and 12 years later returning it's even more special than you know, my memory. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Mm. Um, you're, you're trying to raise some awareness on mental health and addiction strugg- struggles. What are some of the projects surrounding those two topics? Yeah, so I, I had a chance to share a little bit about BYS, which um, I'm a big booster. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the work they're doing because I could have used that. Um, uh, you know, When I was 16, I went through some really tough stuff around my granddad had a debilitating stroke, and I didn't feel like I had someone to talk to. Even though I had wonderful friends, I had a girlfriend, I just didn't feel like I could share that, and I really could have used you know, counseling like BYS offers. Um, I am uh, on a mission to explore our mental health and addiction challenges, uh, which I believe are silent epidemics. Rightfully, COVID-19 is getting a lot of attention, and we're learning a lot about this issue you know, as, a, as a nation. However, there's there are other big issues that we are facing that don't make the headlines nearly as often, but I think are really, really important um, to understand so we can better support each other. And that is uh, mental health, especially when we're in lockdown, we're in quarantine. Many of us have lost jobs. We've lost friends or family. It's just, it's a really tough time. And, you know, I've looked at some of the data, the, uh, just looking at the number of folks seeking treatment, seeking counseling, and um, the number of folks, you know, buying alcohol and, uh, and cannabis, you know, these are literal record highs. And it's because a lot of us are looking for um, where we're struggling and we're, we're trying to find ways to, to process that and to deal with that. And I'm, uh, I'm aiming to make a documentary film about the state of mental health and addiction in America and, and to explore a few ways in which we can better support each other because it really takes a village and it takes a village uh, across our society, across our country. And so to celebrate 3,000 days sober, um, I'm aiming to run 3,000 miles across the United States from New York City on uh, meet folks that with mental health challenges and addiction challenges uh, along the way and hopefully shining a light on some of these big issues that are really tough. There are no real simple, easy answers, but I think uh, with more compassion, more kindness, we're going to take a big step in the right direction. Cut out there for a quick second, but to reiterate, the plan is you're going to run from New York City back to Seattle. That's right, yep. And then along the way, you're going to make scheduled stops or just random stops? In part, we want to connect with folks that have inspiring stories of how they've worked to overcome challenges in their life or they're supporting folks in their community who are overcoming challenges. And then uh, the beauty about documentary filmmaking, there's a lot of serendipity. So uh, I'm a huge fan of like Denny's and IHOP. And my goal is to eat as many of those delicious breakfasts as I can while running across the country. And you know, you're some Yahoo with a with a cameraman, camerawoman next to you, 
that that's a conversation spark. You know, hey, I haven't seen you before. What's the deal with the camera? And with their permission, would actually film them sharing part of their story. And the aim is to uh, really just demonstrate that hey, we are all in this together. And even if we look different or we talk different or different education levels, different you know socioeconomic status, all that, it's actually irrelevant. Uh, mental health and addiction challenges hit everyone from all walks of life. And we want to really showcase that because you know I think uh, we're all aware of this. There's never been more division in our society. And I would love to um, find ways to better stitch us together and to show more universality and commonality because we're really in this together. And sometimes it takes uh, facing your challenges and understanding the universality of those challenges to, uh, to get back on the same page and to move forward together. So are you going to seek these people out, um, these stories and such, before you take off on the run? Or are you going to kind of go where the day takes you? Or are you going to have a strict schedule like you do everything else in life? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it'll be a combination. So we, we've got, luckily, a, a great team that I'm working with. And so our producer, a fellow named Gavin Sullivan, um, one of the things he'll be up to is like actually researching and scouting um, and finding some of these really amazing folks, sharing more about our mission, what we're up to. And if, uh, you know, get folks on board to, to share a little bit with our, with our team, um, because I think that's going to be much, much more inspiring than just watching, you know, this Yahoo running, um, day in, day out. Um, uh, that said, yeah, I will need to average 45 miles a day. So like, I've got to be pretty, you know, regimented and disciplined to, to do that. But, uh, ultimately I, I get inspiration from hearing people's story and especially when you can, uh, really level with somebody and share what's really on your mind, what's really in your heart. It, uh, that gives me fuel. That gives me fire that I can keep, uh, keep rolling. Cause it's going to feel like a giant hamster wheel and it's going to feel, I'm going to be in pain physically and mentally, uh, from 45 miles a day on these legs. But, um, I want to get that fuel, get that fire. And the best way I do that is I love connecting with like school kids and hearing what they're up to, what excites them. And one bummer of COVID-19, I'm not going to be able to do like the big school assemblies that I initially was hoping probably, but uh, I'm crossing fingers that uh, we'll have a vaccine in the next several months. Although um, who knows? And uh, I'm on, you know, this mission is one where we want to do it as safely as we possibly can. I don't want to be a vector for the virus and I don't want to, you know, get anyone uh, sick from this. And so we want to do it as safely as we can while telling us, story that I think is more needed now than ever before. Now, I remember running a long, long time ago. <laughs> um, and my coach said a comfortable pace was that we could carry on a conversation while we ran long distances. Okay. Are you good at carrying on a conversation while you run? I love it. I love it. And I love listening, especially. Um, so yes, my, my hope is actually to enlist a few folks actually run some miles with me out there. And, mm-hmm. um, my ask of you know someone joining me is hey like tell me more about yourself i want to hear you know what uh, what makes you smile what's exciting you what challenges you're working through have you worked through and um i i want to make some new friends out there and that's really going to give me a lot of i think inspiration for the trail all right i got a little inspiration for you for this project um Uh besides getting ihop and denny to foot the bill for you (laughs) (laughs) um do a five minute uh journal or diary you know, audio wise, you know, that would be really cool if, um, you know, every day you spent five minutes and said, this is what moved me today. Mm. And, um, you know, lend it to your favorite podcaster, (laughs) play it out. I think it would be, um, uh, interesting hearing what you had to say the first day versus the last day. Mm. And then of course the stories in between. 
I love that thing. So cool. You froze, man. You back? I I was yeah. saying I I was I was getting animated. I said I love that idea, and that sounds really, really, really awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll expect it then. <laughs> Your grandfather in on that. Sign me up. You're good. Persuasive. Uh, you're easy. <laughs> it was cool how you uh, engaged the kids, though, um, and decided to run around the old high school track for a few days and, and say, come on out and uh, run with me. Hey. How many laps oh, were man, you doing I, I those days? That was a lot. I did a hundred, I did a hundred five laps, which is a marathon. And boy, that was really tough. It was a 90 degree day in August and I got smoked, man. Like it was so hot. Um, so having, uh, the water polo team was out there working out. And so it was so much fun. Like we, we did some, I warmed up with them. We did some calisthenics and then I said, Hey, join me. And a number of them came out on the track, which was just a ton of fun to, uh, to share that experience. I know you, you don't, you're not as heavy of a stretcher as some runners. You're more of the, do the calisthenic type warm up. Um, if I know anything about you, <laughs> um, I was thinking today cause I, I've been struggling with my, um, thoughts at night and my sleep and, and such. Yeah. And I know you have a very full day and it's probably a lot easier for you to go to sleep, putting in the work that you do. I was wondering what your, um, morning routine is when you yeah, first wake so, up. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and I, I want to be, you know, uh, fully transparent that I, um, COVID has been really tough uh, on my mental health where feelings of anxiety creep in most every day. And then, um, I've had periodic, uh, stretches where like, I felt pretty depressed and felt really down because I've got all these big ideas as to most of us that are totally off track. And like the time I read through like my old journal and it's like, I was supposed to have this fully funded by now or I'm supposed to be like already be doing this thing by now. And that really like initially bummed me out where it's like, Oh man, like I'm, I'm falling behind. And, uh, and so for me building in a great morning routine that works for me has been essential. And it's not just like, I want to be more productive. It's like, I want to feel happier. I want to feel more present. I want to feel healthier. Um, and so that's been really, really critical. And so for me, I, uh, first thing I do is I make my bed uh, just because I want to have like some sense of, accomplishment um, yeah just an easy check the box like yes like one thing is done um, that just feels good to get going i then drink uh, a bunch of water so i uh i have a gallon jug over here in my fridge and uh pour out a glass a big glass tall glass of water and uh, drink that before i make some green tea um and then it's some bible it's some prayer it's some gentle stretching. Um, yeah, I do do calisthenics, which is like kind of like active stretching uh, to get the muscles moving again. One of the challenges of being a distance runner, your your muscles get pretty tight. Um, and so you've really got to counteract that with some gentle stretching. Uh, and so, yeah, I stretch in the morning, stretch in the afternoon, stretch in the evening, before, after runs, you know, I, I stretch uh, at least probably an hour and a half a day. Um, okay. Too. Um, and then uh, I like to write. So I do try to do a little bit of journaling about how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, plans for the day, if anything's on my mind. And then um, uh, I'll generally have a cup of coffee, a, a quick little breakfast. And then uh, I try to get into my uh, top three, which are um, uh, the three big things I want to accomplish for the day. And if I'm on my best behavior, I'll knock out those three before I break for lunch and then train with uh, some afternoon training. Um, and some days, you know, there, there's a big one that gets kind of stuck and then I end up having to come back to that after training. But ultimately I try to really simplify, you know, keep it simple. Stupid is one of my uh, little mantras over here. Just to, 
keeping kiss, man. Yep. And that helps me get more stuff done actually. And figure out just what's really important, what really moves the needle. And then uh, a lot of the other stuff, it's actually the small stuff. And, you know, we, we know not to sweat the small stuff, but too often if we're not prioritizing, everything looks big and scary. And it's like, no, no, like what, what are the actual, just couple things that if we accomplish great stuff happens. And if uh, a lot of the other stuff we can actually uh, put to the side for now. Yeah. And you get some momentum going if you accomplish those top three. hundred percent. And then all of a sudden you feel like Superman or Wonder Woman and you're off, you're off to the races. So what time of day do you usually run around 11? De- it depends on the day. Um, generally early afternoon has been kind of my sweet spot, especially with, um, sort of, you know, the autumn and winter schedule approaching, um, with mm-hmm. the shorter days. So yeah, I've done like very, I've done like 4am training runs, um, for, for quite a while in Shanghai, but I found here on Bainbridge. Yeah. Afternoons work really well. And I love how the sun looks through the trees. That's like really beautiful. And then the sound, which, yeah, which is really nice when the sun's shining. Awesome. Yeah. Your, your routine must be all screwed up, you know, <laughs> being stuck here uh, and not in Shanghai. Cause you'd go to your office, you work at your, your startup, you'd, um, run your 15 flights of stairs to get to your office and then go downstairs and run the parking garage loop. Right. Um, That's right. You've got a great memory, man. That's right. (laughs) You got all these, uh, daily routines and habits. How has running a business remotely been for you, especially with, you know, kind of the Chinese USA relationship? Oh man, it's, it's been, it's been really, really tough. And it's, it's honestly been tough for like the last three years with um, a lot of the trade war stuff, you know, we've been reading about or watching, there's a real impact. And, you know, I, I'm a software uh, entrepreneur, uh, was based in uh, Shanghai there for seven years. And it's, it's big. It's like, it's really, really hard as an American owned American led business to do business in China with some of our, our uh, you know, uh, administration's policies and any you know time you're reading about tariffs or you're reading about retaliatory measures by the administration, there are countermeasures that China is then putting on to uh, American-led, American-owned businesses. So I'm not alone in actually exiting China. You know, thousands of entrepreneurs, thousands of American-owned businesses can no longer, um, you know, it's no longer the operating environment it once was. And uh, you know, that's unfortunate because I think we were doing some good. We were helping to bridge China and America a little bit closer by helping uh, uh, students find scholarships for university. And um, your project you know, was so hard. ambitious. Yeah. It, it's an ambitious project. And it's one that, you know, we relied on, I think, the goodwill of both people, peoples and both governments. And when that goodwill dries up, it's much, much harder. So it's um, there is a cost to this. And, you know, I'm feeling that on the, the, the personal front. Um, and then I'm also really feeling it for the students that we're not able to help to the same extent that we once were. So it, uh, um, you know, it is. And I'm trying to find the silver linings in that. And I'm hopeful that the next chapter um, will be, uh, we'll have a more constructive relationship with China because ultimately uh, there are opportunities to collaborate. And yes, there are certain interests that, you know, we're going to clash over, but I think you can clash in more respectful ways and in more constructive ways than uh, just sort of the tit for tat game or the kind of draconian uh, blanket bands of things that uh, have a lot of collateral damage. That's probably unintended, but certainly is costly all the same. So are you, what's the status of the business now? And are you pulled out of Shanghai? 
Yeah, so we've we've had to downsize our team. So yeah, at the beginning of like the trade war, you know, all this nonsense. You know, we had thirty five folks, kind of this beehive in Shanghai, and very quickly it's like, look, that's that's not going to be sustainable with um, with the situation we have. So yeah, we've had to to sort of right size and. Uh, really cut back on a lot of, you know, we, we did a ton of pro bono, free events, free articles, free video series, really just like trying to help as many folks as, uh, as we possibly could. And when you're not, when you're uh, like revenue streams aren't, you know, are basically being turned off by a government conflict, you've got to scale back if you're trying to survive. And so, um, yeah, we're, uh, we're very much kind of a, we've got, you know, the armor on and we're trying to figure out the next steps here, but it's harder to come by financing. It's way harder to expand. Um, and, you know, venture capitalists and others are, you know, don't want to touch uh, anything China, America related with a 10 foot pole right now. And so you've got to uh, get creative and we have, you know, I, I work with great people and so we're, we're trying to make the most, but um, while acknowledging that it is a tough situation and uh, we'll see, I'm hopeful for a change, but uh you, you know, it's certainly a much, much bigger challenge than me. So our, our focus is on the controllables. What can we do um, day in, day out to make things a little bit better? Um, and there's a lot that we can't control in any way. And for that, we're going to just acknowledge that and, and try to roll forward through our own volition and our own efforts over here. Controllables. That's a good Scrabble word. I think I'm going to steal that one. <laughs> All for like you. <laughs> you know, I'm married to a doctor, so she kind of cheats with the medical dictionary against me. <laughs> Um, so you were around for Obama's economic forum. I'm sorry. We're going to talk a little politics, get off running for a minute, um, because it is the season. Uh Um, you were well-versed during his administration and he went through, um, you know, the bailout and we seem to be having an economic, uh, crisis. At least I am. As you found out, you ran to the studio today to meet me, and I forgot to tell you it's been closed since March. <laughs> so I gave you a little extra work today. I appreciate extra you. Around. That's right. <laughs> I appreciate you being flexible, and I'm embarrassed that that happened. But um, <laughs> back to my question. Um, how do you rate Trump's desire for – um, a certain economic status and what I feel is a superiority to China. Uh, I'm bastardizing this question, but can you spot some of the differences in the economics of Trump's administration versus Obama's administration? Yeah. So I think fundamentally, you know, we've got Trump's America, go. America first mentality um, which, uh, and then we've got Obama's vantage of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And uh, to be clear, Trump's America first really in this case means America alone, where uh, we're trying to confront China head to head, which sounds actually okay in theory, perhaps. Hey, if, if someone is cheating you in a variety of trade arrangements, we need to call a spade a spade, which that actually is an aspect where I think Trump has done that. You know, he has called a spade a spade here. The challenge is China has a lot of other uh, trade partners. And if the United States is going it alone, we have way, way, way less leverage. Whereas in a trans-Pacific partnership, yes, with its flaws, at the very least, we have allies where, you know, economically and militarily, we're aligned with, with these folks. And we're able to have a unified front then, which actually gives us far more leverage in a negotiation. So uh, for being, you know, this uh, self-described deal maker, this is a terrible position to make a deal. You actually have way less leverage. You have way poorer fundamentals and your own people 
are getting hurt because there's retaliation from China. And you, you look at the soybean farmers um, in Iowa and folks in the electronics trade and countless others, um, anyone that has a supply chain in China or anyone doing business in China is hurting. Without the Trans-Pacific Partnership in place, it's America alone. And so uh, for a deal maker, I think he should know better. Um, unfortunately, I think he gets a lot of satisfaction from tweeting, you know, thought, you know, tweeting random stuff at Xi Jinping and the Chinese, which doesn't actually help America's economy. It doesn't actually solve the problem here. So I think it was perhaps well-intentioned, though very poorly executed. Um, whereas I can at least say the Trans-Pacific Partnership it could have been a very, very smart architecture to approach this challenge, but was disregarded because of the president's ego. He can't ha- he can't stand that Obama. It was Obama's idea and his administration that uh, that carried it forward. And so we're left with America alone, which is a very very bad place to be when you're trying to confront an, uh, an adversary and build a more you know a more advantageous position. How do we um, support the Chinese workers? Because yes, they're they're a good supply chain manufacturers. Things cost less to be worked worked out through China, but they seem to treat a lot of factory employees poorly and that it doesn't translate into a lot of Chinese people buying the same goods that they're making. Mm. It's hard for me, especially when my goal this year was um, to understand my sourcing of everything that I put mm. in my body and on my body mm. and where it came from and, and how it got there, which is a very difficult task to trace. Mm. You know, yep. whatever it is. Um, and I'm not against it coming from anywhere, but I want it to be ethically sustainable and sourced. How do we get to a point where we make a statement to China saying, you know, we do want to do business with you, but you need to treat your own people with more respect? It's and 13 hours. Great. Uh, thank you, Mr. Robot. 13 hours over here. Um it, great question. And it's one that I think is immensely complex uh, in part because there isn't as much transparency even uh, locally within China than you'd expect. And an example of this is there is an extensive amount of subcontracting. So, you know, let's say Nike, this big uh, American multinational has operations in China to make shoes. Well, within that contract that Nike has with its with its folks, each of those folks have subcontracted factories and sometimes networks of factories that are further subcontracted down. So uh, my take is there is uh, just, it's super opaque so much so that I have friends that have worked in supply chain for big you know, multinationals that don't really know where a lot of their stuff is even sourced from. Yeah, sure. You tour a couple factories, but uh, a lot of this is it's, dozens or even a hundred plus factories go into supplying the parts of a car or the components for a shoe. And when you step foot in a Chinese factory, it's, uh, it's just, it's another level. It's a scale that it's hard to comprehend. Um, and yeah, there's, that's a big challenge. I really admire your effort on that because it's a big one. And I think, uh, you know, perhaps you are, they're going to be part of this because at least that can give you a, uh, you know, a reliable way of seeing where something goes throughout its lifespan. Although we're not there yet. I'm sorry. What's going to be a part of it? You cut out for a quick second. Yeah. I think like blockchain technology and then okay. QR codes give us a new, uh, a new lens to better understand that chain. Cause right now, even in the, you know, 21st century, you know, electronics age uh, and open internet, there's still so much opaqueness. And um, I admire the effort that you have because I think that's a really, really important thing we can do as consumers. We have so much power as consumers 
to direct our hard-earned dollars in directions that we approve of or that we support or that we want to advance. And um, I think there are a few companies stepping forward that want to be more transparent, want to treat workers better, and let's support those with with you know with our dollars. So I I, I commend your effort, and I would love to hear more as uh, as you learn more of what's going in your body and on your body because that's a that's a great mission. Well, just know that a restaurant doesn't have to tell you that their salmon is farm farm raised, and ninety percent of the salmon on your restaurant table is farm raised. Yeah. That, wow something that drove me a little nuts right away. I was like, I want to know that, you know, I have contaminated fish living in their own feces, eating it all the time. Right. Yeah. You would think that disclaimer had to be on the menu. QR codes too, I think had a uh, comeback once COVID hit because I thought the QR code was kind of dead. And for people that don't know the QR is like a barcode that you would scan your, your iPhone or, or Android phone over and it would give you information usually from a website or based on the product and, and such. But now you scan the QR code when you go into a restaurant because they don't want you touching the menus, right? Yep. So now you're starting to see more and more of that stuff and everybody's harvesting data. So you got, you got to go in a grocery store and you can only get the certain price if you have your phone number attached to kind of a QR type reader card. So there yeah, you go. QR cards making a comeback for sure. Um, what about you? you? You've made some comebacks in your life. Um, I remember hearing a story about you on a motorcycle in Vietnam and uh, having a car hit you and getting all scraped up. And then you missed that race, correct? And then you went for a bigger one? Yep. I, I was going to run a ultra marathon across the Sahara Desert um, and yeah, I got sideswiped by a uh, drunk driver who uh, then ran away from the scene there in uh, right outside Ho Chi Minh City, Saigon in uh, in Vietnam. And um, yes, yeah, so I had to scratch that first race because I I could barely walk, uh, you know, given the the damage I sustained. But uh, yeah, within a year of that, I ran 150 miles across the Gobi Desert, uh, which was a just the ultimate blessing to have um, to be able to get back into running and to. Uh, rise from the ashes there, which uh, was really, really tough on uh, the mental health and physical health. But, you know, God is great. And that was one more instance of just the the innumerable blessings in my life to be able to get back to the thing I love and, and go explore a wonderful part of the world. I like how your get back is a 150 mile race. <laughs> yeah. So you're doing this documentary and you're, you're putting in some training now, trying to get a nice pace of 45 miles a day for how many days? I don't even know how many miles that would be. About 3,000? Yeah, how 75 much? days. Yeah. 75 days. Hamster wheel. <laughs> wow. So, like, let's let's say you're in the, the Gobi Desert. Is Gobi a desert? Yep, big desert, yep. Where did your mind go? Yep. During, it, uh, during that time. So, yeah, the, that, that race particularly uh, – was really two halves. So like the first half, it's going phenomenally. I'm in ninth place. I'm feeling really, really good. Everything is is clicking for me. Like the best race I could run. Like I'm, you know, feeling awesome. And then we're crossing a river. You cross four rivers during this race up in this big mountain range uh, in Western China. And my foot slips between two rocks and uh, I feel this and it's like a lightning bolt hits my kneecap. Um, and it's, uh, it ends up being a sprained MCL, which, uh, 
uh, it's not something that you want to sprain. It, uh, you put a lot of weight on that every step, whether you're walking or, or, or running. And I, uh, Very small too. It, yep. And, and you know, you and your, your, your wife wouldn't would know better than me, but I can tell you firsthand, it stings when it's not working right. And it, uh, you know, I had 75 miles to go, uh, in that moment. And I had worked so hard to get trained and recovered for this, that I was really turning back. It was just, I got to keep rolling forward. And I was very, very lucky to have excellent medical uh, attention there. Uh, Dr. Andrew Nyberg from the Stanford uh, Wilderness Clinic. Um, um, yeah, a fellow that ha- like really knows the stuff was able to, to take a look and tell me, look, you're not going to do any permanent, you know, any long-term or permanent damage, but it's going to hurt a lot. I can help wrap you up. And so he did. And I was uh, limped, hobbled, crawled my way. And what was on my mind is my why. You know, I am out here because I want to um, really celebrate another day of life. And I want to um, honor the journey that I'm on. I want to explore this beautiful place. I want to make friends from these wonderful different corners of the world. And I want to push beyond the limits I thought I had. And that moment with a with a sprained MCL, it all came came right there. And I had to take it literally one little step at a time over and over and over again. And that was going to be the formula. And uh, miraculously, if you keep moving forward, you're going to reach your destination. And that uh, it was the sweetest moment crossing that finish line, drum circle of uh, you know locals out, like making music, making noise, dancing, and then just being mobbed by a bunch of folks with big hugs in the pre-COVID era, you know, just like mm. 10 bear hugs right there to finish it. And uh, really, really special, special deal. I think that's what I miss the most is hugging people. Yeah. Well, simpler times, man. Beautiful yeah. stuff. Um, have you ever done any uh, stem cell stuff where you um, put stem cells back into your body after they I haven't? Nope. I have not. Nope. I have not done. Cause sometimes they do that on the meniscus. I was just wondering. Oh, okay. uh, well, let's um, talk a little football. Now yes. I was thinking oh, about all Ooh. the people that get injured and, you know, who has a good medical staff? And it reminded me against RG3 versus the Seahawks when he went into the tent and was never the yep. same. Yep. And then two weeks ago, Tayrod Taylor had a cracked rib and they gave him an injection and it punctured his lung. Terrible. He lost his job over that. But Terrible. in my mind, he should be suing the medical staff, um, his future salary, because he was in the last year of his deal. He was a starting quarterback, punctured his lung based on the team's incompetence and then he was replaced it's horrible Horrible. yeah that is that is absolutely and he was really a a guy that i like to watch play he was up and coming quarterback for sure he wasn't you know he's no russ but (laughs) who is there if i'm not mistaken they were contemporaries in virginia um back in the day and they're tyrod i think is a year older maybe so um yeah, there's a fun connection there. And yeah, I was so bummed that he, uh, I mean, cracking your ribs is no fun at all, but then having a punctured lung, just awful. So I, I sent him the best for, for recovery along with Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Cowboys, who then compound fracture in his ankle, which just sounds awful. So. Yeah, it's kind of ironic because Alex Smith uh, came back after 600 days being out, 18 operations, massive staph infection from a compound leg break that they were thinking they might have to amputate his leg. He might not even live through it. And then the starting quarterback got hurt and he came in and got sacked a few dozen times right away. (laughs) 
and I was feeling for him every time he got hit. And then the, later on in the day, that compact pound fracture happened to Dak, and it was not a good day in the NFL for, for a couple it's weeks. Tough. It seems like it's always knees, too, except, you know, Dak's was his ankle. But a lot of ACLs, MCLs, meniscus tears. And yeah. um, if you're out there listening, kids, um, develop those muscles around your knees, you know, bicycling, cross-training, uh, bounding. It's all real important to protect those knees. They, they take a lot, just like 100%. your feet. All right, so Russ is cooking. You um, cooking. are the Alaskan Airlines spokesperson for the Seahawks with that yeah. awesome commercial. Um, and to remind people, when you were living in Shanghai, you ran how far to get to TV to watch the Seahawks play? Yeah, so uh, I would. Shanghai is a really big town, 25 million people. Only one bar plays the NFL, uh, and it's Monday at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., or when uh, games games are. So, yeah, I would run 15 miles from uh, – my apartment on the far north side, all the way past downtown south to uh, um, to watch the games. And Delta Airlines caught wind of that and actually made a little TV commercial about uh, you know fan culture in Shanghai uh, with a little fun deal on my running as part of that. Yeah, that was an awesome commercial. They still play that. I have, but ever I get a text and saying like, saw you in this thing. That's fun. So. Um, great memory. And actually we're coming up on four years since we filmed that. So it's, it's been, a uh, really fun watching the Seahawks with my family now that I'm back and mm-hmm. watching Russ cook is the best part of all. So, all right, let's talk about Seahawks. What do you think their record is going to be? I think we, uh, the schedule is going to tighten up. So we're going to have a prove it game with the Cardinals and Rams upcoming. I think 12 and four or 13 and three. Um, our defense needs to step up and part of that's getting healthy with Jamal Adams at safety. If he's dialed in, he tends to improve on the back half of seasons. And so I'm glad Pete's been giving him some rest. Um, so he's back hundred percent because a groin injury, which he's been dealing with is, uh, that's really painful and you can't move laterally or with Mm -hmm. the kind of confidence and you need that as a safety to be able to really roam and play center field. Yeah. And I think that's, it's only gonna be about three weeks. I'm always surprised that, uh, well, first Pete's, description of anybody's injury you know greg's working hard on that uh the thing i'm about to run is a uh, leg lower extremity or something he's so vague about descriptions about injuries and then um you think that most of these injuries are four to six to eight week injuries and guys are back in two weeks that's amazing yep it is modern modern marvels man yeah so i thought we were pretty deep with Hill, uh, Marquise Blair, Diggs, and Adams in the safety position. And we seem to uh, get real thin real quick. (laughs) DBs as well. You know, everybody thinks Griffin's a franchise-type player uh, on the corner there, and I feel like he's always playing catch-up. You know what drives me nuts about Griffin is his uh, mouth guard is always dangling. Yeah. He never puts it in. Wouldn't want to do that. That's a crazy thing. So Take it off. Just take it off. Because that thing's got to be flapping in his face while he runs and stuff. And I'm like, why do you even have it? I, I scream at the TV now. Yeah. Oh, man. That's a brave soul. I wouldn't want any part of a tackle without a mouth guard in. That is just no. old. Uh, KJ Wright seems to be better than ever. Career I'm glad year. he wasn't a salary cap casualty. Um, Michael Dixon, our punter, has been spot on he i see him doing those 70 yard line drives to a certain point it's pretty incredible he is a treasure yeah australia's finest man 
Yeah. Who else has been impressing you so far? I, DK Metcalf has been, uh, you know, massive second year leap. And I would already put him on the handful of best receivers in the league. And he and Russ worked hard on their connection this summer. And so when you've got two very, very viable deep, th- you know, vertical threats with Tyler Lockett, DK going deep, who can also run good routes, more intermediate, it just adds a dimensionality that I don't think the CX have had. Um, in a number of years. And so a uh, stretch in the field in that way is I think going to open up running lanes for Chris Carson and it's going to help us uh, get Greg Olson and Will Disley, our tight ends, more engaged here on the back half of the schedule too. Yeah, I'd like to see more two tight end sets and stuff, but you know, Freddie Swain has put his name in the mix there. And um, yes, he has. David Moore seems to be solid as usual and he's good on kickoffs and punts and he took a salary hit, you know, and said, hey, I just want to be here and they said, okay, and he's getting playing time, and that, that's something that's special as well. Not many teams can say that. You know, places like uh, the New York Jets are, uh, can't keep anybody, um, and the Seahawks, eat, folks are willing to take pay cuts to play here. So it, it's a special culture. Pete Carroll and John Schneider have helped uh, help build, and it's just getting started. I mean, that's the beauty about a great program is it feeds on itself. You're able to attract more great people. Folks invest a lot. And when you've got a quarterback with the, the integrity, the character, the athleticism, the leadership of Russell Wilson, you know, it, it is great to be a Seattle fan. And then you see players coming back too after they get paid elsewhere. You know, Michael Bennett came back here. Um, who else of late? Irvin came back. Uh, who unfortunately, did? Bruce, Bruce Irvin. Bruce Irvin, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, speaking of ACLs, he's out for the year, but he's still around. He's still you know, yeah. being resourced, being helpful, uh, some great stuff on Twitter too, for those in the Twitter sphere, go check it yeah, out. Yeah. And Cam seems to be, Cam, um, Chancellor seems to be moving in the coaching d- direction for sure. Awesome. I'm a big Bam Bam Cam fan. So yeah, I, I think the linebackers have been great. Michael Ken- Kendricks came back, right? Yeah. He's facing insider trading. Uh, he's been facing it for four years. So what? <laughs> yeah, I, He had an ACL too. And that's why he wasn't on the roster to start, I guess. It is, okay, cool. I haven't followed that as closely. I, I wasn't sure if he was uh, sidelined uh, from injury or, or the criminal justice stuff, but yeah, I think DK has been incredible um, at the start of the season. But the one thing is that, you know, he didn't cover the ball when he was going into the end zone and got that stripped and, Rusk lost his nut on him, and I don't blame him. Um, but those guys all seem to work out, you know, in the offseason a lot, and Josh Gordon too. Um, yep. And I'll get back to him in a second. But the guy that didn't was Ursua, and now you saw him on the practice squad, and then he got cut from the practice squad. Now he's back on the practice squad. Mm. But he was a draft choice, but he was one of those guys that didn't think he needed to do that extra work. and. And you see that's that's not going to work. This is a team nope. environment for sure. Absolutely. And if you're, you know, these guys have incredible talent and yet. Great chemistry uh, too. Yep. Hard work's going to beat talent when talent doesn't work hard. So, um, and luckily the Seahawks, you know, they're grinders, man. They're, they're heads down. They're working it. And it, it's showing five and oh, one of three undefeated teams in the league right now. And we're, we're about to come up to approve it part of the schedule. So yeah, for let's sure. see how we respond. I think the Bills might be a, a, a catch-22 type game, too. Um, mm. But I'm excited. You know, this is the first time I got red zone, um, mostly because uh, Vincenzo's a Cardinal fan, and we don't get Arizona. His cousins live in Arizona, and he's a big Larry Fitzgerald fan. So cool. broke down, and uh, plus he's playing a lot of fantasy football and stuff. So 
And the Fantasy Football is uh, sponsoring the Bystander Podcast. So shout out to Sports Illustrated Fantasy Football. Thank you very much. Um, they're doing a great job. Uh, but yeah, um, Josh Gordon, it's weird how there's just arbitrary rules that the commissioner doesn't have to rule on Josh Gordon's status. Um, for people that don't know, he, he'd lost a family member and, and relapsed with his addiction. Um, but I have from a really good source that he's actually been here on the Island working out, um, pretty regularly, you know, running sprints, working with a strength trainer over there at battle point. And, uh, he's ready to go and he's in contact with the team and team wants him there, but NFL doesn't have to tell the team or him what they're going to do. So he's just in limbo. And what a double standard where you can beat your girlfriend or wife and still play and you're having a mental health and addiction issue and you're just out indefinitely. I mean, for me, that is just, it is way off the mark. And um, I'm not the biggest fan of the commissioner. I think uh, there needs to be reforms so that there's a fairer process to adjudicate these issues. And, uh, you know, cannabis use or pharmaceutical use under the direction of a doctor, um, it's wild to me that that is going to prevent you from playing the game you love when you need help dealing with big stuff. So, um, yeah, that, that sounds way off the market. It wouldn't be the first time Roger Goodell has aired dramatically with his, uh, adjudication. But especially when marijuana is, um, legal in this state and he plays in this state. Um, and it's probably the least evil thing that he could have, could have done on the, on the bad list, but uh, it's a cumulative effect as well. Why do you think there's so much stigma on uh, mental illness? We're not all born with the same brain or um, same desires or thought process. Why do you think um, it's kind of poo-pooed and pushed down? I think part of it is uh, there, there are stigmas, of course, um, in part due to misconceptions. Um, the science is finally... Um, catching up with what I think a number of us have felt intuitively um, for for a while in showing that, uh, yeah, a lot of this is beyond our basic control. And a lot of us are just a step or two removed from really serious mental health challenges. And uh, yeah, why is it not? Well, I think some of the folks making the rules, whether those are lawmakers in Congress or Roger Goodell is the commissioner, um, don't directly understand or trying to, you know, ride a, you know, this moralizing high horse. Uh, and that's uncalled for. It's, it's um, really, I think we need more compassion and kindness and understanding. I think we want to be guided by science instead of by Victorian era misconceptions and stereotypes and stigma, which uh, make it a lot harder for people to be honest about this stuff. Uh, myself included, I've dealt with stuff. And uh, it, when you share what you're going through and you're met with, um, a scoff or with misunderstanding or the feelings of, Hey, I'm being stereotyped because of, you know, my, my, my sharing here. It, it's, it's a bad feeling and it makes you want to just go back into the shell in which you came. Uh, and ultimately we want to create a more compassionate society. My hope is that COVID-19 is giving us an opportunity to vision the sort of society you want to live together. And I hope part of that is an acknowledgement that a lot of us go through hard times sometimes and let's give each other a hand up so that we can be there. Let's be more supportive. And when someone's going through a tough time, let's, let's be there in their corner as opposed to uh, shunning them or, you know, putting them on, you know, the, the, the bad, the bad list like uh, Roger Goodell with, uh, with Josh Gordon there. Now, 
Reminds me that this podcast is also sponsored by Helpline Services. So if you need mental service, Helpline here on the island is available for you um, free. Um, please use the resources. There's a resource guide for almost anything that you need, and there's people that are willing to help you in this village, and you're just as important as the next person. Greg, I don't see you enough, man. Um, Let's do a hike soon. When are you uh, heading out to New York? Uh, Aiming for a March 2021 start. So you'll have – we're going to have some good times on a nice hike here, either a tea or coffee in hand. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Do you like matcha? Matcha, cool. Not as much for me, but I want you to do that, and I'll grab a a black tea or a coffee. You're caffeinated, aren't you? I always, man. Got to. Yeah, go, go, go. All right. Once again, it's askbys.org this Thursday, October 22nd, 7 to 8, their annual fundraising dinner on Zoom. You can almost Ooh. smell the food through your, through your computer. And if mm. you can't, Westside Pizza delivers. Shout out to them. And uh, Absolutely. Maureen, oh, She's selling real estate now, the owner of Westside, but uh, she used to lead the group fitness at Bainbridge Athletic Club. And I remember the first time I took her uh, group exercise class, um, I thought my heart was going to fail me. And uh, I would just want to shout out to her that you may make some somewhat unhealthy food, but you work it off like a beast. (laughs) That's the key. And Bainbridge Athletic Club is now open too. So, you know, put in your reservation and, and put in some work and get healthy. And, you know, they say you go to college and you get the freshman 15. I think we stay home and stay huddled and we get the COVID-19 fat content. So I'm going to be inspired by Greg Nance and I am going to set my top three every day. And I'm going to worry about my controllables, which may be my food intake and exercise intake. And I'm going to celebrate each day of life. These are my takeaways from hanging out with Greg Nance today via Zoom. Not the um, gloom tomb of Studio 15 at the barn. (laughs) Thank you for your time. You've been listening to Bystander. We're going to listen to some spoken word by Mark Owen on the way out. Greg Nance. Amazing. Tim, thank you. Appreciate you, man. Godspeed. Always a pleasure. You've been listening, bystander. Be kind. Thanks, Greg. Take care. Thank you. Take care, man. Thank you. I'll see you again soon, okay? 100%. I'm looking forward to that hike. Hey, Podcast Phil. Want your spoken word to be heard? We are currently seeking submissions for spoken word and poetry. Send your recorded words to tinytim at thebystanderpodcast.com. Thinking of things to write, need to realize that everything he spits isn't going to be fire. Coming up with excuses as if he's actually tired, but he's a liar. He's got that energy. He's got that drive, but doesn't want to admit that he's ready and wired. Ready to rage. He wants to tear every page like Hulk Hogan in his younger days. But it's too late. He already envisions the stage. He's that bird that ate the key, ate the cage so he can be free. He wants to capture what's on his mind, put it on paper and fill every line. He writes, but he doesn't feel like it's good enough for earth and vine. He stands in front of the mirror and recites. He watched Eight Mile about nine times trying to figure out what's his and what's mine. The lights go black. He's ready for the next act. Her memory is holding him back, looks around the room and all he sees is a six pack. 
unpopped and untapped. Suddenly, something in his brain claps. A quick destruction like a moth getting zapped. Her memory has turned to dust. He accepts that it was lust and that's all it was. Gotta move on. Gotta flip the script like a pastor preaching a sermon. Sermon on the Mount. Shed so many tears that he lost count. Why did he ever get bent out of shape? The movie kept playing. It wasn't even his tape. He suffers for someone else's mistakes. So he hits pause trying to figure out the cause. Pain and grief was the cost. He's moving on because her image and memory is lost. Every time she's brought up, it's in the past tense. They see each other and he holds up a fence. She doesn't realize that his new life has commenced. Hey there. Band of Steve's here. If you've enjoyed the music on this podcast and you'd like to learn music, get in touch with me. Electric bass, guitar, theory, voice, production, writing. Steve Newton Music at gmail.com. Hey, it's Michael Fabiano now with Sports Illustrated, and I'm here to help you through this wild fantasy football season. To win in fantasy, you need player rankings you can trust, and ours have received the Top 5 Accuracy Award over the last three seasons. Sign up for the all-new SI Fantasy Plus at si.com fantasy. We even have tools that sync with your leagues and experts who are standing by answering your questions in our premium chat. Sign up for SI Fantasy Plus at si.com fantasy and win your leagues in 2020. That's si.com fantasy.